This world knows nothing about uh, that one that makes me come and beg at his feet. Right, Aaron? Where's Aaron at? Thank you for that, Aaron. Um, Mark kind of took my introduction because I was going to get a jab in at uh, Bill for what he said. So, but I'm glad you all were able to see my dad a couple of times. So. We always have jokes about that because folks have uh, thought he was my dad. So, uh, I seen greetings from Sovereign Grace Chapel. And Paula specifically said to give you greetings because she wished she could have been here. But we have dogs that we usually have someone watch, but they were out of town. So um, I have one quote, a very short quote that I want to read you. And this was sent to me and Walter from Joe. This is very good. Holiness is not the way to Christ. Christ is the way to holiness. Charles Spurgeon. <clears throat> Sitting in the hotel, you know, you've got a, a long time that you can take a lot of notes and, and make more notes and gets pretty long, so but no, I won't keep you too long. It'll be less than two hours. If you would Turn with me to John 15 to start with. John 15. This is not my main text. My main text is what Mark read for me. It was a pretty lengthy reading, but that's my main text. But I want to start here. Verses 15 and 16 of John 15. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. We hear today a lot of people talking about free will, which does not exist. This world thinks and they believe they can make a choice to serve God I was like this by nature no one was going to tell me what to do not even God men and women today are arrogant with their thoughts of themselves toward God they think and say things like this I gave my heart to Jesus or I decided to follow Jesus just as a preacher once said How precious that they decided to follow Jesus. Man by nature neither knows God nor chooses God. He cannot and he will not. I don't know how many churches that you see today, that you pass by today, that have the name right out front of their building. It says, 
such and such free will church. They are arrogant in who they are. They are ungodly in their thoughts and their doctrine, which has no part in Scripture. You can see them on TV from time to time. They are happy in saying they are serving God. And they say it as if they are actually helping God out. There is no contrite spirit or any broken heart. They feel they have something to offer God to help him out or help him get along. Spurgeon had a quote in his message, Free Will a Slave. Quote, What would you think if you were to go into the old bailey, and that's the courthouse or the jail, and see the condemned culprit sitting in his cell laughing and merry? You would say, The man is a fool, for he is condemned and to be executed, yet how merry is he? Ah, and how foolish is the worldly man who, while sentence is recorded against him, lives in merriment and myrrh. End quote. We, by nature, are all dead men walking, and that includes women. But we are all dead men walking. We, like the man who went down to Jerusalem in the story of the Good Samaritan, he was beaten and left for half dead. It says he was left half dead. If you do not believe God, and I did not say if you do not believe in God, I would venture to say that almost everyone believes in God, even if they say they don't. And why do I say this? Because you will hear them. They will use his name in vain. They have songs about it. They have one song where it says they pray to a God they don't believe in. But we, as we are born in Adam, are spiritually dead. And there will not be spiritual life for a man or a woman unless one who has life and one who has the ability to give life and one who is willing to give life intervenes. John 5.39 reads this way, and this is Christ speaking. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. Now the words of scripture specifically say right here. That by my will I will not come to Christ. Just as Spurgeon said in his message free will a slave. The facts that it says here in John 5. The thing that they will not do is come to him that they might have life. So it goes without saying that those who will not come to get life are those who are dead. The scripture very clearly tells us we are all dead in trespasses and in sin. But women and men and women still walk around this earth muttering their contempt for God under their breath. They hate the God of Scripture, not the imagination of Him, but they hate the God of Scripture. But back to what I was saying, if you do not believe God, and that means if you do not believe what God says in his word about who he is and about who you are, then you are condemned already. But yet thousands today are raising their hands in praise to man's supposed free will. I decided to do this. 
I decided to do that. I, I, I. <clears throat> but those who by God's grace, and God's grace being unmerited, meaning no one who has shown this grace has done anything to merit it. And they do not deserve it. They have not done anything for God or anyone else for that matter that uh, would make them deserving of it. If they did, then they would not need grace. Because saving grace only comes from God and we did not earn it and we do not deserve it. But we need it. If we are to be in union with God, we need it. If we are to have peace with God, we must be shown grace from God. Folks, I don't have to talk about them out there. As one who believes God and as one who has been shown grace and mercy from an absolutely holy God, I have been shown by God what I am. I may not know the depth of it fully, but I know enough by His grace that I cannot say and I dare not say that anything I do to deserve His mercy, that there's anything that I can do that deserve His mercy and grace. And that's even today, what I'm doing today. But I want to talk about those who by God's grace have come to Jesus Christ that they might have life. Because there have been some that have. We do have a choice. We all do make a choice. And that's my title today is Choose You This Day. Some make a choice by their self-will, not free will. And then others make a choice by God's will. I'm interested in those who make a choice by God's will. Because my will enslaves me. So let's look at briefly man's will, then more appropriately and importantly, God's will. And then because of that, because of his will, what is the response from those who believe him because of his will? So let's look at man's will. And I could stop right there because there's not much to say about man's will. Man does have a will, but his will is one of lifting up the creature rather than giving praise and honor to God. Man's will is not free. Scripture says the heart makes us willing. And we know the heart we are born with into this world. It is evil and deceitful above all things. And we cannot even know it. <clears throat> Man's will is a will of bondage to sin. Let's look at the response of man when Christ tells man, who he is, and, and that is who Christ is. So turn with me to John 6. John 6. John 6, in verse 43 and 44. John 6, verse 43. Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves, no man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. <clears throat> we see right here the response of man, and this is all of us by nature, but we see this response when Jesus Christ tells us who he is. He tells them in this passage that he is God. 
What do they do? Murmur, murmur, murmur. They curse God under their breath. And we all do this, even God's people, before he visits us. Jesus Christ tells them, and he tells us because it's recorded in Scripture. He says, you cannot come to him. So even if you do have a free will, I know it cannot cause you to come to him because he says, you cannot come to me. John 5.40 has already confirmed, though, that not only can we not come to him, we do not even will to come to him. Not unless something outside of us does something to change us. Except the Father which sent me draw him. That word means to drag. And that's what you have to do to a dead man is drag him. A dead man can do nothing to help get himself to God. In fact, man is actively engaged in trying to get away from God because we all hate God by nature. We know the passage. Even God's people have had it said about them. They were the children of wrath, even as others. So we hate God by nature until God drags us to himself. Now this dragging or pulling to himself is done in love, and he woos us unto, unto himself. That one who is being dragged is one who has been given life, else they would not come. When he does this to them, they are willing to come. We are willing in the day of his power. Our text tells us, ye have not chosen me, but then Christ says, but I have chosen you. God did not choose everybody. Had God not chosen anyone, then there would still be none that seeketh after him. It's all about God's will. So what about God's will? What are we told about God's will in Scripture? Isaiah 46, 9 and 10 we read, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. God does as he pleases, whether I like what he does or not, and whether I believe he does or not. He does everything he wants to do. It says he will do all his pleasure. It is saying God does what he wills to do, so he does what he does, he does willingly. Those who say they have a free will do not know God. They have no understanding. They think their will supersedes or overrules God's will. They think God has to honor their will and what they want. The scripture tells us that if you think this way, You have no understanding. And I can testify to this because I have done it. I thought what I decided would bring me into communion with God, and that by my choosing. But to think I I have a will which can overrule God's will tells me I have no understanding. 
Nebuchadnezzar tells us this. Daniel 4.34 we read, And at the end of the days I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me. You know the story. He had a vision. Nebuchadnezzar had a vision, a dream, of what would befall him, and Daniel interpreted <clears throat> And he couldn't do anything about what was told him, even though he was told exactly what was going to happen to him. But he still bragged that he built his kingdom and he thought he was majestic. God intended to teach him different. God put him out in the field for seven years and he ended up with hair all over his body. His nails were like claws. He was a beast of the field eating grass. <clears throat> so this is what it says. And my understanding returned unto me and I blessed the Most High. This is what you do when your, under, your, your understanding comes to you. And I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? None can stop God's hand when he goes to do something, to thwart whatever he's going to do. None will question God or reason with God to ask him, what are you doing? But man, with his depraved hands, his depraved feet, his depraved mind, his depraved heart, his depraved will, thinks he can will to do something, even if God may have not willed it. They say, God has no hands but your hands, and he has no feet but your feet. Our Lord Jesus Christ has his own hands and his own feet, and he bears the marks in them for what he did with them. What he did proves to his own that he has all power. I am thankful for his hands and his feet, because what he did with them was to save my utterly depraved heart so will and mind from condemnation from God. Scripture is clear. God does as he pleases, and there is no one to stop him. But I thank God that it is his will to save some, to show grace and mercy to some, even though some of them by nature hate him for who he is and what he has done. You all know what Ephesians 1, 3 through 5 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will he chose us in Christ Christ coming down to perform works that were and are meet for God that is Christ's works are deserving of the favor of God Jesus Christ and what he did earned the favor of God and man listen how it says it though in, here in Ephesians 
according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So what does this tell us? That apart from what Christ did, we are to be blamed for who we are and what we are and what we do. Christ is the way to holiness. Everything God does is good, even if he did not choose you. God is good, and he can do nothing but good, even if it means flooding the whole earth and all the people in it, save eight souls. Who's going to stay his hand and say unto him, what are you doing? God deserves to be worshipped, whether he saves us or not. He deserves to be worshipped whether or not we can or will come to Him. But it is His will to choose some in His Son, Jesus Christ. For those He chose in Christ, what does Scripture also say? 2 Thessalonians 2.13 For we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. It is God's will to choose a people in His Son. Those whom He chooses, those whom by His will and His will alone chose them in His Son. They were by God chosen, and this was from the beginning. But we were chosen in His Son because of what the Son would do. He, because of that, chose us to salvation. It is all based on Christ's work. But how do we come to know Him? This is how it would come about, through sanctification of the Spirit. That is, God comes to those He has chosen and drags them to Himself, giving them life, so that they might then be able to believe Him. And they do this by His will. They believe Him to the saving of their soul. Sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. One necessitates the other. They go together. Two separate and distinct things put together by God. The word and ties them together, but it's two separate things. When God acts on a soul, it causes some things to happen. First of all, they are broken. That is, their heart is broken because now they can see. What do they see? Their will is against God. They also have a contrite spirit. They are not in rest because they know that what they have done will sever them from God to hell forever unless He wills to make them clean. What does this do? It causes submission to Him and His will. The leper says, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. What do they begin to do? They begin to take sides with God against themselves. They begin to believe the truth. And this is where I wanted to get to this morning. Turn back to Joshua 24. Joshua 24. And I'm going to read that Joshua 24 again. It's a long passage. I'm just going to read 14 through 22 and kind of go through it and look at it. Joshua 24. 
Joshua 24 and verse 14. Just think about these words. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage and which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed and the Lord drave out the people uh, drave out from before us all the people even the Amorites which dwelt in the land therefore will we also serve the Lord for he is our God and Joshua said unto the people ye cannot serve God the Lord for he is an holy God He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If ye forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after that he hath done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye are witnesses against yourself that ye have chosen you the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. I do not see this passage in its whole context as a bad thing. First of all, what does Joshua tell them first to do? Fear the Lord and serve Him in in sincerity and in truth. That's the first thing he tells them. Then he says to them, put away your gods. We say this all the time because it comes from God's Word. We cannot first turn from our idols to serve God. We must first turn to God and then from our idols. 1 Thessalonians 1, 9, For they themselves show of us what manner of interim we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. The order is clear. It is we turn to God first, else we will never get to God if we are to turn from idols first. We all have them. They just keep popping up from time to time. And we must always turn to God first. He will get rid of our idols. He's the one that causes us to turn to Him as well. We cannot turn to Him without Him. Then He says, If it seem evil to serve the Lord. There are a great many people that think it is evil to serve serve such a God of Scripture. They don't mind worshiping a God of their, uh, who is a figment of their imagination. That is a Jesus they have contrived that loves everybody. He wants to have his way if you would just let him. They will wholeheartedly serve a Jesus like that because he is made like unto them. So we can make a choice. But if God is not in it, then the choice we will make will always be the wrong one. 
We will think it evil to serve the God of Scripture, and we will be in league with this world's idols, whatever they might be. But if God is in it, then we will know who has done all the work. Verses 16 through 18. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt and the house of bondage, and which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwelt in the land. Therefore will we also serve the Lord, for he is our God. Those who have been made, forced, were dragged into a relationship with the sovereign of the universe, who has done all that has pleased him, will give God all the credit. Then Joshua tells them, and this is the God of Scripture, this is what God's Word tells us, ye cannot serve God, for he is a a holy God. We cannot serve God on our own. If we are to serve him, it will be because he has enabled us who are dead in trespasses and in sin. He has enabled us to believe. And that is worship and serve him too. What do they tell Joshua in verse 21? And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. They tell Joshua that God deserves to be served. And this, whether he does anything for me or not. I know I can do nothing for him, but regardless if he does anything for me or not, he will be the one I serve because he deserves it. Now you remember that I said God's people in the time of God's power towards them to drag them them to himself, what do they do? They take sides with God against themselves. And we see it right here in this passage, verse 22. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye are witnesses against yourselves that ye have chosen you the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. All of God's people, when they come to see that the God of heaven and of earth deserves to be worshipped, they take sides with God against themselves. They witness that they cannot serve God on their own. But no matter what, the Lord is who we will serve. God's people know he does not owe us anything. But yet we also know that he has told us, All ye that labor and and are heavy laden, come unto me and I will give you rest. He, as these Israelites have said, he has preserved us in all the way. Every step we take is ordained of God and he will see to it that we are kept safe in the way. We may fall. We do fall. But he picks us back up again and sets us on his path. We know we cannot do it on our own. Now I said in in the whole context, this uh, this passage isn't a bad thing. And you can see right here in the end of Joshua, what is the one of the last things that it says here? There is no rebuke to them for what they have said. But what does it say in verse 28? So Joshua let the people depart, every man unto his inheritance. 
God will cause us to make a choice. Some will deny him. Some will not and cannot be separated from their idols because they depend on their will. But then there are others whom he loves. He will drag to himself and they will take sides with God against themselves, knowing he is the one to be served and him alone. They depend on his will to save them and his work to save them. I have one more passage I want you to turn to, and this passage shows us what his people do because of the grace of God shed abroad on them and in them. Turn with me to Daniel 3. Daniel 3. Daniel 3, verses 16 through 18. Daniel 3, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. What do we see first here said by these three men? We are not careful to answer you, O king. They are saying we don't even have to think about this because there is one and only one who is worthy of praise, honor, and worship. What else do they say? If it be so, no presumption here. They know God does not owe them anything. They don't know what his will is concerning the matter, but they know he doesn't owe them anything. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. He will deliver us whether he delivers us from the fire or not. He will deliver us from idols, one way or the other. But I like this next one in verse 18. But if not, even if he does not deliver us, we will serve him and not you, because him and him alone deserves to be served. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. They are saying just as Job said, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That's what God's people are brought to confess. But then Nebuchadnezzar in his pride was furious. He had them heat the furnace up seven times more than it would normally be heated up to. He wanted to roast these boys. It was so hot that those guards who bound these three men, that took them up to throw them in, it killed those men that took them up. But the fire did not even cause as much as those three men, those clothes of those three men. It did not even cause their clothes to smell like smoke. I can sit by a campfire for five minutes and everything smells like smoke about me. These men whom God shed his grace on were in a fire that was so hot that it killed the men that threw them in the furnace. And they don't even smell like smoke. It takes the grace of God, him, 
if he is willing to do such a thing like that. If we are to be able to serve a God like that, then it will have to be by his grace. My will will not cut it. If it were these men's wills, they would be toast. But it was not their will. They trusted in God that they, the God that they served, that he would deliver them. But even if he did not, they were not going to serve the idols. They could only say this by his grace. And there's one more thing about this account. account. There was another man with them in all of this, the Son of God. That heathen king which tried to kill these men said the fourth man looked like the Son of God. He was right. He is the Son of God. He will be with His people always because He went through the fire for us so that we would escape without even the hint of the smell of smoke. What does Paul say in 2 Timothy 1.12? For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. It's all up to his will and by his grace and mercy toward us, he will make us willing to then come to him. Psalm 65, 4, Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee that he may dwell in thy course. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. I pray, God, have mercy on me. Show me favor because of your son. God, make the right choice for me. Turn me, God, and I shall be turned. Cause me to choose you. Knowing this, that if I do, it is only because you have chosen me. I don't want my will. My will will damn me to hell forever because by nature I love, my, I love idols rather than God. What did that leopard say? leper say? Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. God will cause a man or a woman of his choosing to know their need and to know his ability. Just as the leper did, he came to Christ. He would not have come otherwise had he... he would. Had he not known of his need of cleansing, he would not have come to Christ. He also knew that Christ had the ability to do what he was asking him to do. The only thing he did not know is, is he willing? I say to everyone here today and everyone who may hear my voice, choose you this day whom you will serve, the Lord or idols. If you will not serve the Lord of glory, Jesus Christ the Lord, there's nothing but idols. May it be that he wills to drag me to himself based on his choice, him being my Lord and my Savior. Amen. Thank you. Lord.